to believe and to be strengthened in our faith as we hear your word proclaimed to us. And we rejoice in the hope of the resurrection that you have entered into human history and that you have opened up a way that we can be reconciled to you through the death of Christ, that you have raised Christ, and that in him not only is our death to sin accomplished, but we have a new life, a life of holiness, a life of fullness, a life of knowing and being known by you. Lord, we don't want these just to be words. We want this to be resurrection power inside of us, working to remake us and renew us and to turn us into people who reflect your glory. Help us do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think a a common statement and response of Christians down through the ages is one that you probably know. And I'll just go ahead and lead it now and see where we go with it. But I I think I ought to declare to you that Christ is risen. You got it. This is a a true and trustworthy statement. It's worthy of rejoicing over. It's worthy of reflecting on. Uh, So much so that we have followed in line with millions upon millions of Christians these last 24 hours into the rest of today. We have followed in line here today along with Christians down through the generations, the testimony and the message of those brothers and sisters who have gone before us, that there is hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is why we gather today. Uh, That's why we're here. I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that you're blessed. I hope that you feel like you understand what it is that we're about and what we're after. Uh, Because if we miss that, so just I want you to imagine for a few moments uh, that we somehow, this would seemingly be unthinkable, but somehow if we get out of here in the next 15 or 20 minutes and you don't understand or think through or have not been uh, confronted with, well, why is Easter a big deal or what do we really believe concerning Jesus, uh, then we will have failed miserably. I confess to you that I, I love rhetoric. I love storytelling. I love spinning and weaving and having things be full of fantastic language and imagery and illustration. I hope that in some way these things are a blessing to you as a communicator as you learn, but I feel more so strongly, though I value those things, I value more sincerity and simplicity and clarity, especially on a day like this. So I want to say as full-throated as possible, and I hope that I can... I'm going to take a drink of water. I hope... I'm sorry. Um, I hope that I can say this as full-throatedly as possible. We had a 7 a.m. service, and I was outside, and there was no amplification, and I'm grateful for technology because I had to yell the whole time, and my throat feels already hoarse, but there's good news. There's only one more of these after this. So here's what I want to do as full-throatedly as possible, as unashamedly as possible... I want to be clear that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh. He lived a perfect life that you should have lived, that we all desire to live. All of us wish that we had lived ideally according to our own standards, to the things that we know are loving and true and good, but we fail miserably. Jesus came and He lived the life that we should have lived. 
He took on the punishment for our sins, the separation from God that was the due and just consequence of sin. He took on the wrath of God by dying on the cross in our place as our substitute. And then the glorious and the hopeful message of Easter is this, that upon going into the grave that he bound death itself and that he rose from the tomb victorious, offering life, newness. Jesus Christ is not dead but alive. This has been the message, the testimony, the witness of the church from the very beginning. Easter does not exist. The church does not exist. Christianity does not exist apart from this message. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, died in the flesh, and was raised to newness of life with a new and glorious body. This is what Easter is about. And if we miss this, if we somehow get this confused, or if we be, grow weary of this, then we've lost it. I think days like today are good and they're fitting because far be it from us to somehow want to move past this. I know that life is complicated. I know that living in light of this is difficult. My guess is that you have both disappointed yourself and many and countless times been disappointed by churches or by churchgoers. Maybe you have tried Christianity and found it difficult. But today, I'm doubling down. Today, as a church, we gather together and we remember, no, there's nowhere else to turn. It is not a small thing. Today, we remember that it is not a small thing to grab our neighbors, to grab one another, to come here as a family, to grab each other's shoulders, to look at one another in the eyes, and to joyfully declare there is hope for you and for me. We can say things like this to a world that experiences death and sin and suffering all the time. We can say things like this, you know how life is hopeless sometimes? Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever had a diagnosis that seemed insurmountable? Have you ever sought, sat and just pondered the fact that right now in this very moment there is death creeping through your organs and your body and flesh itself? Have you ever lost someone, someone close to you, a loss so devastating and deep that you felt you'd never get over it? Have you ever stood graveside, considered the finality of someone? seemingly gone. What today is about is remembering that in those moments when faced with the most poignant, the biggest, the most powerful realities of life and death, it is not a small thing. To say that Jesus Christ has overcome the grave and this is not the end. It's not a mere religious thing. It's not a way to pass the time. It's not a sense of belonging or community or a kind of nice place to be. It is a matter of life and death itself. Has Jesus Christ come? And is there any hope for us? A dying humanity. This has been the testimony of God's people through the ages that He can, He will. And that he has come to rescue us. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Philippians chapter 3. And I don't want to make up anything new today. I just want to read along and follow along with 
the testimony, the witness of just one of the apostles upon which the entirety of our faith is built. The Apostle Paul, who I'm sure you've heard of, he wrestled with the resurrection. He wrestled with understanding it, with grasping it, and then trying to ask and answer the questions, what relevance does this have in my life? I'm going to begin reading in the seventh verse of Philippians chapter 3, and I want you to see how he lived out Easter day to day. How did Christ rising from the dead, how did it matter to him? He has this to say, beginning in the seventh verse of Philippians chapter 3. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead." Resurrection from the dead was no small thing, not a trifling thing to the Apostle Paul. Knowing Jesus Christ was not an addition to his life. It was not a slight self-help improvement. It was not a minor religious quibble. It was everything, such that everything else was considered as rubbish, if he could just have Christ. This is the goal. The goal for us, I believe, is to walk in the testimony, the witness, and the example of someone like the Apostle Paul. The question for this morning is, does Easter matter? Should we care? Let's take a moment and and pray. Having read these words and having to consider the resurrection, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for a day like this. We, We come every Lord's Day we worship you. This is a routine. It's a, it's a good habit of ours as your, as your people. But I'm asking that today, this day that we set apart in many ways, this day that has a kind of holiness, a significance to it, I pray that we would not miss the point. God, would you give us a delightful simplicity today? Help us to reckon with the reality of Jesus Christ and his resurrection I pray that it would not be a tiresome thing or an old thing, but something new. Help us to gain Christ, to know the power of His resurrection, and I pray that that would matter for us here and now and today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a beautiful and wonderful way that Scripture speaks of God and all that He's done. And that is, is that uh, it often describes him as being the one who was and is and is to come. Put differently, in light of Jesus Christ, you may have heard it said that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's in that light, this past, present, and futureness of God's work that we want to think about the resurrection. It seems like that's the key that unlocks the power of Easter. That's what Paul is after And we need to consider that Easter is not simply a remembering of a historical fact. It's nothing less than that, but it is far more. 
And so I'm going to take us on a bit of a Christmas carol kind of journey. I'm asking the Spirit of God to come and to grab us and to take us back and to show us the spirit of the present and to consider the future. That seems to be fitting in light of the resurrection. So here are things to know and to grab today. If there's anything that we remember that we, that we settle into today, it is this, that Jesus Christ and Him resurrected in bodily form was a fact of history. It is the truth, the hist- historical fact upon which the church was built. Paul says that he wants to know the power of His resurrection. This is speaking in the past tense. Corinthians tells us that if Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, if it happened merely figuratively, or if his father has said, you know, it's the spirit of Jesus that lives on, if there is not a bodily resurrection, that we are most of all to be pitied. And so, today, we put a stake down and we say that there is power in the resurrection because it happened in the past. That there was a day that in light of all of humanity's suffering and death, There was a day when the undefeated record of death itself was upset. This is the testimony of the church from the beginning. The apostles were unified on this. The apostles in the early church made the testimony of the physical resurrection of Jesus the testimony of their lives. They staked their entire reputation on this fact. They would go on to write that they tasted and saw and felt and touched that hundreds and hundreds of people spoke with and witnessed and heard the teaching of a resurrected Jesus. There are instances over and over in our Bibles that declare the fact of Jesus being resurrected from the dead in the past. It is this power, in fact. Romans 1.4 tells us that our faith, Christianity, The worship of Jesus is recommended to us because He was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. So today, of course, we remember and we recall that Easter is about the past. Jesus was raised from the dead. There's an interesting quote that I saw over the last couple of weeks. One of the benefits of the church and of people who teach and communicate is that they bring to our remembrance or they bring to our view different ways of thinking about these things. And one of the most interesting that I read was the testimony, the words from a man named Chuck Colson. You may recall or know Chuck Colson. The fact that I would have to introduce him is perhaps because you are new to Christianity or hadn't heard of him before. And if that's the case, I'm grateful that you're here. It could be that you simply have never heard of Chuck Colson because you're so young And all the rest of us are so old. But I'll introduce him briefly. Mr. Colson was one of the men at the center of the Watergate scandal, a political scandal whereby people were indicted and investigated and then sentenced to time in prison for their illegal wiretapping and spying activities, basically to win an election. Mr. Colson was one of those who had to spend time in prison for this scandal, and upon reflecting on Jesus and his later powerful conversion, he had this to say about the resurrection as historical fact. He says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. 
Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. The fact of the resurrection was attested to and foreshadowed by prophets down through the ages for thousands of years. A promised Messiah was held onto by the Jewish people as the hope of their entire religion. Jesus came in the flesh and testified and in fact foretold that he would suffer and die but be raised again to newness of life. Those who followed him most closely, despite having been scattered and saddened in their faith, leading up to the days of his crucifixion, following the resurrection of Christ became an unstoppable, powerful, joyful force that transformed the known world. These apostles, who were unified in their testimony and staked their entire lives on the claim of the physical resurrection of Jesus, testified to the fact that Jesus Christ was in fact a man of our world, come in the flesh and resurrected in newness of life. The very existence of the church testifies to this fact. So today, Easter is about resurrection past. The interesting thing though here with the Apostle Paul, and I think probably what we're feeling as well is, but what does it matter now? If I told you the interesting fact that one time someone died and they didn't stay dead, it's possible that you could treat that as a kind of Ripley's believe it or not fact. You know Ripley's? You heard of Ripley's astounding facts? I'm confronted nearly daily by astounding and unbelievable facts about our world because I have three boys between the ages of 11 and 8. And they have fact books. I think one of them says 5,000 astounding facts. It's a lot of facts. So nearly every day in my home, I get things like this. Dad, did you know that every kitten is born with blue eyes? Did you know that? I do now. It's amazing. Did you know that there are countless microscopic dust mites living in our eyebrows? Did you know that? Dad, did you know that one time a man lived to be 8 feet 11 and a half inches tall? Did you know, did you know, did you know a litany as far as history can go back? My kids are fascinated by interesting facts. If we were here today simply to describe the interesting fact that one time God came in the flesh and overcame death, that might entertain us and put us in awe for five or so minutes. But that is not the good news today. What Jesus declared in foretelling his death and then coming up from the grave is he turned to all of those who would listen and he say, I did this for you. The way the Bible describes the resurrection of Christ is not just that he was powerful enough to overcome death, but if we are in him, that we will overcome death as well. Here's a few ways that scripture describes Jesus and the invitation of us being a part of this death. Between verses 20 and 23 of 1 Corinthians 15, we have the Bible calling Christ first fruits. I won't read through all this. It says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. All the way down at the end of verse 23, we have a vision of the resurrection to come, and it says, each in his own order, that Christ was just the first fruits. And it is coming that those who belong to Christ, they would be resurrected as well. 
And so today we want to ask the question, what does Christ's resurrection back then in the past have to do with us now? And what we declare at Easter is that the resurrection matters here and now. Jesus is here and has a very real present power. The Bible tells us again and again and again and again. This is what the Apostle Paul wanted. He wanted to know the power of Christ's resurrection presently to overcome hopelessness, despair. And this is what God offers us in Christ. There's a couple of instances where we find the same power that raised Christ from the dead working in us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. Listen to Peter's hope. He, he seems to believe that the resurrection of Jesus back then matters to us now. He says, starting in verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been made new now. We have a living hope through this resurrection. He goes on in verse 4. We have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Here's what our Bibles tell us. The resurrection of Jesus matters because that same power that raised him from the dead is ours now. God is keeping you. He's caring for you. He's providing for you. Oftentimes, unnoticed, but in any given day, there are thousands, tens of thousands of ways that God's power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, is keeping you, caring for you. This hope is a present one, a now power. It should change the way we live now. If you had nothing to fear, if death itself was no threat, How would we live? That seems to be the testimony of the New Testament. If we can walk in graveyards, if we can encounter fatal diseases, and if here and now, in the midst of those moments, we have hope, if God is in fact working in us by the same power that raised Jesus, if the presence of Jesus Christ is here in our midst right now, in this moment, It should matter to us. It should change us. So Jesus was resurrected back then. He's alive and present here now. And then we, of course, know that there is hope for a future resurrection as well. This seems very clear, but I just want to spell it out as closely as I can. Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, for instance, God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Jesus was the first fruits, and we will come as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, we have a similar truth being declared. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. It is amazing to me that people who are Christians, who sincerely believe, they they love God, they want to do what is right, they believe that He's there, they're for Him, they would say, I believe that Jesus Christ came, He's the Son of God, He died for my sins. It is amazing to me 
that we would ever allow a fact like this to become something to yawn over. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be resurrected from the dead one time. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That whole gonna, gonna decay and be put into the ground thing. Oh, we have hope for that. To encounter a Jesus who leaves you sleepy and unexcited or unjoyful about the potential for resurrection and life and death itself, I believe is too oftentimes to have encountered a false Jesus. This message, what a day like this is for, what Easter is for is to reorient us and to ground us and say, whoa, I think I forgot, this is a big deal. A day like this is for us to set aside, no, life is complicated, I get it, you have to figure out how to make meals this week, and your job has been stressful, and you're trying to attain things, and you're trying to move on, and I know that we have to live life. But a day like this is for us to cry out like the Apostle, cries, Apostle Paul cried out. And he just says like, okay, but anything else, no matter what else is going on, I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead. What is it going to profit you if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? There will come a time when these will not be small things to anyone. There are powerful, poignant times in life. The scripture says that the wise seek these times, these moments to be reminded. When you stand next to a loved one being lowered into the ground, when you face difficulty and suffering, when I talk on the phone with my grandmother, through tears she tells me, I know that my time is coming to an end and I cannot wait to be raised to new life and a new body with no pains and no aches. This is good news. We're not immortal. No matter how much we pretend, cheer up, it's worse than you think, you're going to die. You know, you like you meet a little kid and they freak out about their knee. And you try to say, it's okay, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be fine. There is a beautiful, wonderful time to say, everything's not going to be fine. Left to our own devices, you won't recover. And so then we flip through our our Bibles, and we, we have the Spirit of God moving us, and we should cry out to the Apostle Paul, no matter what else happens, here's what I want. I want to know the power of the resurrection of the Son of God. You ever read A Christmas Carol? Bear with me for a second. I know my holidays are mixed up. It's all the same, right? It's just we're dressed up and we're in church. I thought of A Christmas Carol because in many ways, you know the story, right? It's in the 1840s, 1843. Charles Dickens publishes the first of these small little novellas, this story of A Christmas Carol. And what we encounter is a Scrooge. That's where we get this word from, a literal Mr. Scrooge who has just lost the spirit of true things. She's gotten miserly and sleepy and angry. And what ends up happening is he needs to be brought to the past and the present and the future. He needs to have his spirit reinvigorated. 
I know you could poke holes in this illustration a million different ways, and I'm no Dickens. But I thought of that play this week when I thought of the fact that the resurrection should matter to us past, present, and future, and it ought to transform us in the way that we live today. We might very well have our own Easter carol story. Would it be that today, no matter where you're at, would it be today that the Spirit of God would come and He would bring your mind back to the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus so that you are settled and know that it is true? Could it be for us that we're allowed to think on our future, to say, when death comes, what shall I do? And you'll be drawn to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise that in Him you will be raised And would it be that because the Spirit of God shows us the living Christ here now with us, that we're transformed in the way that we live? At the end of a Christmas carol, as he awakes, Mr. Scrooge becomes the most generous, loving, recklessly gracious man. And I can't help but wonder if this might be what it would be like for us if we we became, became more acquainted, if we grasped the power of the resurrection. That's what Paul was after, the apostle, and I believe it's what we should be after as well. I want to take a moment and pray for us. The band is going to come up, and we're going to, just before we begin singing again, we're going to declare the Apostles' Creed. It's an opportunity for us to say, this is our faith. This is what we believe. But let me just pray for us. Before we go through the motions and say the words, let me pray. God, I ask that as we consider the resurrection of Jesus, as we look at the testimony of the Bible, as we look around this world and we know some things to be true, 